Well, good morning, everyone. Well done for making it this morning. There's a, there's a small football match going on in Barnes, apparently. Um, that's a joke. It's not. The World Cup is happening this morning, right? Yeah, the World Cup is happening this morning. So, well done for making it today and uh, making it through whatever things you had to overcome this morning. It's a lovely day as well, so hopefully you'll enjoy this afternoon. But well done for making it this morning. It's great to be with God's people. It's great to be worshipping together. And uh, my name's Matt. My privilege to speak to you today. You're really welcome if you're a guest this morning. So can you turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3? We're on a summer series, so we're taking a break from Luke. And I felt as I was praying this week that this was a, a, a text that I felt God wanted to, I believe God wants to speak to us about from and encourage us. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness or into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. I'll read that again. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate or behold the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Today's lesson from this text is this. The Holy Spirit gives us freedom to know Jesus through faith and the freedom to become like Jesus through adoration. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, the Lord, gives us, when he's active in your life, active in a church, active in a city, wherever he's active, wherever the Holy Spirit is working, he gives you freedom, gives one freedom to know Jesus through faith. How do I know the Holy Spirit is at work in, in someone's life or in a church? They love Jesus, the gospel, and they want to know him more, and they want to be faithful to him. So when the Holy Spirit is working, he gives freedom to know Jesus, but also the freedom to become like him through adoration, knowing and transformation. So what is freedom, my friends? What is freedom? I wonder what you think freedom is. Freedom to go on holiday wherever you want? Would you like that? Where would you like to go if you could, if you, if you could afford it? Bahamas. Bahamas, yeah, okay. Bahamas, is it just a nice place you've heard of it? And good beaches. Good beach. Have you been there before? No. So good beaches. Where, 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 what would you like to have if you could have the freedom to have whatever you wanted? A Ferrari, first he feels that. Bahamas, Ferrari, a Ferrari. Okay, you can have a Ferrari. Okay, what else would you like? Anything? A wholesome family. Oh, goodness, that's a wonderful one, as is a Ferrari, but wholesome family, Ferrari. 
I, want, I leave it to you to say which one's deeper, you know. Now, for, do you know what? A Ferrari, I know you may knock it. I, I don't know what you think, but it's actually a beautiful piece of engineering. It shows the glory of humanity, that we can work together to make difficult things. That's why he said it. And it gives people jobs when you buy it. Doesn't it? It gives designers jobs. You know, it's, it's a wonderful thing, a Ferrari, as is a family, as is a wholesome family. <laughs> so what is freedom? Freedom, you know, the world, what, what is freedom? It says, now the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom, you know, what do we think we, is meant by that? Eleutheria is the, is the, eleutheria, ele, eleutheria is, the, is the Greek. Liberty is the word, not enslaved. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, we are no longer slaves. We are free, whatever that means. Liberty from what and for what. Many feel that freedom, isn't it? That it's, to, it's the ability to do whatever you want, whenever you want. To buy whatever you want, whenever you want. We want Amazon in all aspects of our lives, you know. Win it now, and I want everything. But you know, don't you, right? You know, if you could have everything you wanted right now, I know, I'm pretty sure, unless you're very godly and very self-controlled, it's likely it's going to do you harm. It's likely that that kind of freedom, the freedom where we're driven by sensuality, where we're driven by lusts, we're driven by the darker sides of ourselves, which is called the flesh in the Bible, where we can have whatever we want, whenever we want, if those things aren't in line with God's will, it brings actually captivity and addiction and broken relationships, and deep darkness, and deep discontentment, when we can have all that we want, whenever we want, particularly if those things that we want aren't in line with God's will. And that's the reason why we know that as a country becomes wealthier and wealthier, it doesn't necessarily become happier and happier and we tend to keep look, keep keep complaining and keep moaning and keep you know and so on. I'm not going to go into that. But we know f- what is freedom. It's not the the ability to do whatever you want whenever you want. It's deeper than that. We're told that where the spirit of the Lord is, He gives us God gives us real freedom, real liberty, real freedom from slavery. I want to picture a. A man in a prison cell, or a woman in a prison cell. Let's be, you know, let's balance this out. We're an old woman in a prison cell, okay? They have been, they've, and, it, and it, they've been there for like, so let's say 20 years, okay? They've been in this dungeon. And then, one day, the guard comes in and, and points, there's two doors. The guard opens one door. And it opens up into a palace that's full of everything you could ever want and everyone you could ever want. Every form of sensuality and delight and pleasure that your 
flesh and desires would want, service, people who will wait on every whim that you have for every good and bad thing you should want. That's one door. And there's another door that opens up. And it's a very simple scene. It's a hill with a cross. And you're given a choice here for your freedom from this dungeon. You can have the palace and everything you ever wanted without accountability. Or you can have the cross where you kneel and you give up your right to choose your way. Where Jesus is your Lord. He is now your master. Because you know the Bible talks a lot about that. Paul calls himself the slave of Christ. He's been bought by Christ. What door have you taken or would you, are you aiming for in your life? There's only two. Now, you may not be able to have all those things, but you may be aspiring for them. You can definitely have the other one, which is to kneel down and give up your life to Christ. And in our verse today, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom... He's saying that the Holy Spirit will lead you to Christ and the freedom that comes from self-forgetfulness and from repentance and from turning from your, owning your life. That's the freedom that we can have in Christ. So that's the choice that's set before us and the Holy Spirit wants to give us true Freedom, and true freedom is living according to your design, which is made by God for God. You can use your body and your mind and your emotions. You can use yourself for many things. You can serve many things. But it's a misuse of yourself all the while Jesus is not the Lord of your life. He, you're designed to know God and to serve him. And you will do forever if you, if, you, if, if you become a Christian. You will do forever in the new heavens and the new earth that are coming. That's the destination and the hope that we have. We will serve God and be very happy to do so because that is true freedom and true joy and true satisfaction. Knowing Jesus. I don't know if you've ever watched the, uh, the Disney animation of Pinocchio. 1940. It's good, isn't it? It's amazing, even. Like, if you watch the animation, it's amazing. I love uh, that kind. I love, I pause it and I look at the drawings. It is amazing. I encourage you to watch it. You know, you're not too old to watch Pinocchio. And, uh, and Snow White as well. Very good. Great. Wonderful animation. It's a wonderful story. Wonderful values. It's a wonderful story, Snow White, as is Pinocchio. But Pinocchio, and uh, you have this boy. And now, why is he created? 
Giuseppe, Geppetto rather, Geppetto, I should say, creates Pinocchio because he wants, he wants to love this child. So he creates a wooden marionette, a puppet. Now, Pinocchio doesn't realize what he's created for, does he? Initially, he doesn't get it. And he is, his conscience keeps telling him, no, 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 go, go, go home to your dad, that's, obey your father, love your father, be in the family. That's what you're designed for, Pinocchio, but no, he doesn't. He, go, he listens to the fox and the cat as he's on his way to school, right? He listens to the fox and the cat and goes off to become a star, doesn't he? A celebrity. And he becomes, he joins Stromboli, if I can remember his name, Stromboli's uh, puppet show. And what does he become? A puppet, a muppet, and he becomes a, a, a enslaved to this, this person. Who, and it, it promised much, right? It promised freedom and, and, and money and, and success, but he becomes miserable. And then he gets free freedom. And again, his conscience, come on, go home, your dad. Go and do what you're made for. You're made to be with your father. You're made to be in a family. You're made to listen to him and to obey him. You're made to be in that situation. That's going to bring you happiness and joy. But no, no, I'm going to go to Pleasure Island, if you remember the story. And there he is, as lots of other children has, has happened to lots of other children, they're turned into donkeys because they don't listen to the reason why they're created. They're turned into mules and donkeys. And it's going to happen to Pinocchio, right? He, he starts to turn into a donkey, but he is rescued. And to cut a long story short, he returns home to his father, or saves his father, but you know what I mean. He gets rescued. He, 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 he gets reunited to the, to, the, to the father. And that's his, and he becomes the real boy that he is meant to be. And he's a real boy because he's in a family with his father and he's doing what he's designed for. And freedom comes from doing what we're designed for. Don't be a donkey. Don't become a muppet. There are many voices that promise you much. Just listen through it. As, if, you're not, if you're a Christian this morning, listen through the voices and see what's the actual aim here. What are, they trying to, what are they trying to achieve for me? If the voice before you is, is trying to bring you closer to Jesus and closer to your Father in heaven and closer to wholesome living, then it's a good voice. If not, your flesh wants to listen to everything, right? Your, you, your flesh wants to go to Pleasure Island. Your flesh wants to become a star. Your flesh wants to run away from your father because you think you know best. Your flesh is in you. And don't listen to your flesh because that doesn't bring freedom. The, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If you listen to the Spirit who leads you to Christ, who leads you to your purpose, who leads you to why you're created, then you have freedom. Freedom is bowing, kneeling before the cross in absolute um, abandonment of self. That's freedom. Freedom is coming to Christ. 
Freedom is knowing Jesus. The Holy Spirit gives us freedom, firstly, as I said, to know Jesus, to know him. It says in 1 Corinthians, so this is 2 Corinthians, the book we've just been reading from, that there's a previous book, 1 Corinthians. He says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us, but to us, but to Christians, those being saved, it is the power of God. You see, of course it's foolishness, right? As if the answer to the world is a man dying on the cross in Israel. As if that's the answer to all the world's problems. As if that's the answer to all your problems. As if that's your deepest need. As if that's your true freedom. What? Really? Yes. The, the cross, the death and resurrection of Christ, is your freedom. Is your joy. Is your deepest need. Is where you find life in the death and resurrection. And there's a lot to explore there. It's a big room. It's a big thing. The gospel is a big thing. But to us, it's the power of God, the death, faith in Christ who died and rose for you. It's the power of God for your salvation, for your forgiveness, your justification. It's the power of God that releases you from condemnation from your sin. It's the power of God that releases you from fear to know God as your heavenly father. 1 Corinthians 1, 22 to 24 says this, Jews demand signs, Greeks look for wisdom. So he's talking about all types of people there. Some people just want to, they they, they'll believe stuff if they see miracles. Some people want to have superb, like, you know, superb wisdom. You get it all over the internet, don't you? Wisdom on how to live your best life and how to deal with your issues. And it all really sounds slick and holds together and, and so on. But, but to us, people like us, simple people like us, we preach Christ crucified. We preach Christ crucified. That's the message. That's central that's what should be in every church meeting. That's what should, many of the songs, you know, a lot of your songs should be about in your devotions. Christ crucified. He is the one I'm focusing on because that's what the Holy Spirit, when he's working, he leads us to the cross. He, he causes us to focus on Jesus. Lift our eyes off our lives and ourselves and onto Jesus and the love of God. But to us, those whom... He says, sorry, carry on. Um, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called. So the way he calls you is by the work of the Holy Spirit. So we could put it like this. To those whom the Holy Spirit is working in, both Jews and Greeks, that's everybody, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So if the Holy Spirit is working in you, you will see Jesus in a new way. He is my saviour. I love him. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 to 14. He says, these 
are the things God has revealed to us by the Spirit. So the things he's revealed to us by the Spirit is the cross of Jesus Christ. That's central. That's central to everything, isn't it? The cross of Jesus Christ. That's what the Spirit reveals to us. And I could carry on just making the point where the Holy Spirit moves, there is freedom, firstly, to know Jesus by faith. Moving on. Freedom is knowing Christ, but also to become like Christ. The Spirit gives freedom to then be transformed. It says, we are being transformed into his image, his icon. icon. You might have heard that word icon, his image, likeness. We are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory or from glory to glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So the Spirit of God is transforming us if we've come to know Jesus. We don't carry on living our old lives. We have a transformed morality, a transformed outlook, transformed ambitions. And Paul summarizes this. We all with unveiled faces as we contemplate, as we behold the Lord, as we look at Jesus, in other words, as we, as we allow the Spirit to draw our attention to Christ and the gospel, we are transformed with ever-increasing glory that comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Unveiled faces here. He says, we with unveiled faces. It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Well, it comes from Exodus 33. He's referring to an incident in, in Moses' life. And it's well worth reading Exodus 33. There's loads of great stuff in it. Last week, I spoke about God's house, didn't I? And then from that, I was led to this idea of Moses contemplating God's glory. And that led me to 1, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, which is why I'm speaking on that today. But... Um, in the Old Testament, we had that situation. Before the tabernacle was built, which I spoke about last week, Moses, it says, would go out to a tent in the wilderness close to the camp and would talk to God face to face as a man talks to his friend. And it says that he also went up the mountain and spoke to God and it seems, because it's not completely clear, it seems that well, we know that his face would become radiant and would actually glow because he had met with God. His face would glow somehow. Radiant. And the people were fearful. So we see this idea, don't we, that by going to God in prayer... And worship or adoration is a good, good way of summarizing it. Adoring God, or it says it contemplating or beholding, but adoring is a good way of saying it. Adoring God leads to that radiance and glowing. Now, these are, these are foreshadowing of, 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 of the, the new covenant that we're in now after Jesus. Now, by all means, your face may glow and may shine and all the rest of it, Okay. Um, but I th what he's talking about really is that new 
Christians, like Moses, as we spend time with God, because through Christ we, we can come to God and meet with him face to face, as we spend time with him, we are transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory. You are transformed as you adore him. The Holy Spirit gives you that freedom to know Christ, but also to be transformed into his likeness. So that unveiled face idea is, and it says that Moses would take the veil off when he went into God's presence because he would have to take the veil, put the veil on because people were scared of, 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 of the way he looked. So he would put on this veil to go back into, when he went into God's presence. And this idea of being unveiled and it's a very interesting idea because that word with unveiled faces is talking about coming to know Jesus, you have the veil removed. But also the idea that we, and that is, it's, it's a passive word, so it means being unveiled. So when you became a Christian, God unveiled you. And when you go into God's presence, he unveils you. He takes away the the, the separation between you. And then there is transformation that happens as you adore him. And it, it's very beautiful and encouraging and challenging for us to have an approach to prayer and worship and adoration, which is one of faith that, you know, we don't always feel very inspired when we enter into God's presence to pray and so on. Sometimes it's a bit flat, isn't it? So I don't want to... You know, but it, it, we must always go to the, God's house it, as, it, as a church this morning. We must always come here or in community group. That is meeting with God. That's the tabernacle of our day. Or personally, when you pray and worship and adore God. All of those things, we must approach them with a faith that God is unveiling me and he is transforming me as I spend time in his presence. Otherwise, we wouldn't bother doing it. And we, that, that's really important to have that in mind. I will read this, this 2 Corinthians 3, 7 to 10. This is kind of what Moses, uh, sorry, Moses, uh, Paul is, uh, he's referring to that Exodus 33 incident, like I mentioned. Now, if the ministry that brought death was which was engraved on stone came with glory in other words Moses face glowing so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory transitory though it was because it faded will not the ministry of the spirit be even more glorious if the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious and I won't go into why that the law brought condemnation and so on. But you can see the idea. The Old Testament, he says, if that was glorious, if Moses' face glowed even back then before Jesus, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. If that which was transitory came with glory, how much gr greater is the glory of that which lasts? The point he's making is that the church and individual Christians are to glow and to be radiant with the resurrection life of God. 
Because Jesus has died for them, has risen again. He's given you righteousness. He's given you life. He dwells within you. So how much more should you and I be radiant with the life and love and holiness of God? How much more than that instance with Moses back in the Old Testament? Well, of course, we should say, yes, that should be me. And the point being is this, God, the Holy Spirit will lead you to know Jesus Christ, but he will also lead you to adore Jesus and to be transformed. It's not you that does it. You've got to be unveiled. You've got to allow him to draw you in to adoration. Put off the flesh. Put off our worldly ambitions. Put off the things we'd rather be doing in the flesh that are of no consequence. Spend time adoring God. And the idea, the, 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 the phrase that's, that we're talking about here, from glory to glory, is sanctification, isn't it? The sanctification, the growth in holiness that happens throughout our lives. Sanctification begins at your salvation when you repent of every sin you know of in your life and you turn your life to Jesus Christ. But we all know that having done that, the Holy Spirit continues through our lives to continue to reveal more and more sinfulness that we need to repent of and give, give away to God. But finally, that sanctification will be completed in your soul when you die and go to be with God, if you're a Christian, and in your body when Christ returns and you are raised again in a new heavens and a new earth. Because we've got to understand this glory to glory to glory to glory that the Holy Spirit is doing. Yes, is about loving people more. Yes, it's being patient. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's about love, isn't it? It's about these things. Yes, but it's also about this final destination, which is the resurrection and your perfection and glory forever that the Holy Spirit will fulfill in you if you've received Jesus. So sanctification begins at conversion and is ended at that time. So in response, the Holy Spirit gives us freedom to know Jesus through faith and the freedom to become like him as we adore him. So let me encourage you, if you're a Christian today, to keep your freedom in Christ. Paul says to the Galatians in chapter 5, verse 1, It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. No legalism. When you feel miserable, because you failed, turn to faith in Christ and receive again the free gift of salvation. You cannot work your way to heaven. You receive it. You receive his forgiveness and justification by faith alone. Faith alone in Christ, his death for you, means you are free from sin. The past has been removed. Your present failings 
are removed. He, no, don't return to legalism. If I pray enough, he might accept me. If I go to church enough, he might accept me. If I do this enough, he might accept me. Don't go to relying on your feelings as to your, your, your state before God. Some of you feel hap- unhappy a lot of the time. And there could be many reasons for that. But your unhappiness is not the definition of your state before God. You may feel unhappy. But Jesus declares that you are loved, justified, forgiven, adopted, destined for glory. That's what the cross says over you. And it may not make you feel completely happy. But it's going to, make you, it may, it's going to help you more than denying the cross, isn't it? Yeah, living under the shadow of the cross is going to help you rather than going back to legalism and driving yourself up the wall. Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. If you're a Christian, you are free indeed from all self-salvation, from all self-righteousness. Jesus has given you his righteousness, destined for glory. So keep your freedom in Christ. Secondly, grow in freedom and likeness through adoration. Spend time with the people of God. Spend time on your own, adoring Jesus Christ, adoring God. It looks like it's getting sunny out there, which is good, right? We've had a lot of rain this this, this, uh, this this summer, haven't we? Which I quite like, actually. But the sun will have... If you, if you bask in the sun, if you lay down in the sun, if you sit in the sun, it has big effects on you, doesn't it? Yeah? If you're pale like me, I can get burnt in the sun. Some of you are better with the sun than I am. It, will, it probably cheers you up, right? Doesn't it affect your mood? Do you know it affects the way you sleep as well? Apparently, if you, first thing in the morning, get 20 minutes of sunlight, it helps you sleep better in the evening. I don't know if that's true. I'm just told it. Sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? So if it's sunny in the morning, why not? If you can, why not just sit in the sun for a bit or go for a little walk? You know, why not if you can? Isn't it funny, though, how we... Like, it's funny, isn't it? Like, so often we have these, we have these good options and bad options, like... like we have the option to sit, open the window and look outside if we, and, and, you know, enjoy a bit of light and look outside and think, ah, oh, look at the world and thank God for it. Or we have the choice to go on social media and scroll through social media. And to, what is it so often we choose that one we know is not going to help us? So I don't know why. I'm just saying to you, look, sitting in the sunlight is going is to affect you in many ways, whoever we are. It's going to cause... The plants to grow. It's going to cause... Do you know all the energy, the food we eat, right? All that energy that we eat, that we get from our cornflakes or from our beef steak or whatever it is you eat, all comes from the sun. It's just stored in the... It's all sun rays we're eating when we have our food. Isn't that amazing of God to do that that way? But likewise, beholding and adoring Christ... God. It's like sitting in the sun. It's going to bring 
It's, it's, it's not like down to you to make the sun do the stuff it does. It does the stuff it does. Likewise, the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Adoring God brings freedom, brings transformation, brings growth, brings fruitfulness, brings transformation into the image of Jesus Christ. Because that's who he is, and he's powerful. To sit in the sun and sit in the glory of Christ and be transformed by him. We're going to sing together now. Let's learn from Moses. To go up our mountain, to go into our tent of meeting, let's allow ourselves to be unveiled. Let's allow him to transform us as we adore him. Adore him. Adore him in worship. Adore him every morning. Set aside time in the day to adore him. When you go for a walk, adore him. As much that could be said, you could read the devotionals this week. I hope they'll be hope helpful to you. So let's stand together. Let's adore him now.